Welcome to Federal Insights, secure tools for a telework future sponsored by Avaya. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Tim Shalvey. He's the Director of Business Development at Avaya. Tim, good to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Tom. And as we move to the next phase of teleworking, we don't know whether the pandemic is really over or not, but it seems like it's receding as a force and it looks like people will continue to telework, at least some of the people and probably everyone some of the time. And so agencies need to move into a more long-term sustainable way to do this with good tools, good technology, and good uh, security. What's your sense of what workers, what agencies, what employees will need as we move into the long-term settling in of, of greater telework? Well, I think uh, there's been a lot of progress made over the last couple of years, but you know, what we've seen in the industry is really three different areas that need to be focused on going forward. Is the user experience being the primary one, uh, obviously reliability of, of that service, and then security, uh, specifically in the federal government uh, space. Those are the three critical areas that we see. When I think of the user experience, it's really all around optimizing for the remote work. And to us, that means, you know, for example, artificial intelligence to be able to block out the, the barking dog in the background or the doorbell ringing. Uh, that technology is here today. Um, you've also got to have compliance for 508, for example. So, you know, you've got to be able to take care of your, you know, your citizens and your um, employees with the ability to, you know, care for hearing impaired or sight impaired or physically uh, disabled folks uh, so that their experience at home is the same as they would have in their office. A couple of other things really, you know, around um, optimizing for the remote worker, being able to have multiple screens so that you can see whomever you're speaking with and also be able to present, for example, a lot of sales folks and engineering staff, um, as well as you know, day-to-day -day workers need that ability to be, to be able to present materials on one screen and be able to see who they're speaking with on the other screen. Yeah, so there's really a confluence of things, the user experience, but also accessibility, clearly a key. So that implies then that the hardware and the general setup that is not in the traditional office needs to be at a level and at a grade and of a recentness, if you will, that you would have in the office. Yeah, that's exactly right, right? So, you know, these capabilities have historically been deployed on-premise uh, in, the, in the federal government data center. A lot of that is moving to the cloud now. And, and so that has its own implications. Um, obviously, cloud services are built with high reliability, five nines type reliability that's been prevalent throughout our, our industry for years. Um, but that five nines reliability has an impact when it goes across the internet and then over, over the top application, for example, out to a teleworker's home site. So you need to be able to care for that, that service going out to the teleworker. You need to be able to prioritize, for example, a voice call over a video call over a data transfer and be able to have those capabilities inherent in the system so that when we're speaking like we are today, should there be some disruption on the local area network within the home, the Wi-Fi network, um, that, that we're prioritizing the voice services over everything else so that call stays up. 
And earlier concepts of telework and working at home, it almost had, you might say, the, the sick day approach. That is to say, for the majority of people that telework, there's a couple of agencies that got good at this. But for the most part, it was an exceptional thing. And therefore, the access to all of the resources that you might have in the office were not necessarily thought to be necessary to the teleworker if they had to print something as trivial as that or if they had to access certain files or perform certain software functions, the idea was, well, that can wait till I'm back in. I can do email or do a Word document, that kind of thing while I'm at home. But that has moved on too, hasn't it? It has. You need to have all the capabilities that you have in the office, now in your home office. And, uh, you know, that it, again, that's the ability to be able to store data. Now, when you start thinking of storage of data, for example, in a federal environment, you know, under FedRAMP controls, if you will, the you know, Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program, um, you need to have that location of that data US-based. Uh, so, so that's critical when you're going to utilize a service from whomever, whichever company is providing it to you, that you need to have those controls in place from FedRAMP and there's different authorization levels of that. For example, FedRAMP moderate, you know, impact level two, impact level five, whatever it may be for whichever agency is requiring it. Um, you need to have those capabilities and controls in place so that when you are acting as you would in, in, in an office environment at home, um, all of that data is cared for uh, and secure. And what about the uh, implication of mobile devices? Because you know, the implication is typically that someone would be working with a laptop, that is to say a full featured PC in the notebook format, which in many ways is a different cat than the mobile device, like the pads and the smartphones, technically, and in terms of how people use them and where they use them. So what are some of the smartphone, smart device type of implications that go beyond what you can do with a a standard issue PC, which might be identical to the one that's that's in the office. Sure. So, you know, again, these applications now, specifically from Avaya, but others as well, have the ability to be resident on multiple devices. So you would have it on your laptop, you may have it on your tablet. You could also have it on your, your phone, be it an iPhone or, or an Android phone. And they all stay in sync with each other and they all have the same security profile. Uh, and obviously there's, you know, there's ways to push out security profiles. So you have to enter in a pin, you've got the ability to have it lock out within a 30 second or one minute time, time frame if you're not using it. Um, so there's, you know, there, there are ways to lock down those communications over multiple devices. Yeah. And with respect to the communication, I think you implied this, that you need good bandwidth between whatever the, uh, facility is that someone is accessing. And that gets to the question of the data center, which will still be hosting some agency resources versus the cloud. Cloud providers and cloud service offerers are used to what the connectivity situation is from a cloud. But when you mix in the data center, then you could be back to dedicated lines that the agency has. So there's some adjudication to do there and also some service matching that it might be better from the cloud, say, than from the data center. And that, that would seem like an issue you'd need to address. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, when you're coming in over the internet, um, again, you need to prioritize that traffic, the voice traffic first, but you also need to have it 
come into both data centers. For example, our, our FedRAMP data centers right now are in Virginia and Texas, and they're geographically diverse. And, and God forbid one of them goes away through some natural disaster or something else, you've got the other one that's going to maintain those communications. They're in sync uh, between the two of them. And so, you know, th thankfully for the internet, it's an IP address and it, it's got a backup IP address and it routes over to the other data center and your calls stay up and running. Um, or your voice communications, video communications, web collaboration, whatever you may be using. Um, but it, I, again, that's a, a function of the cloud and the capabilities of the cloud. The government does not need to have that backup data center once they start moving their services to the cloud. It be, it, it's almost like, let's take, for example, um, you know, a, a, an audio sharing application that's out there. You don't care where that resides. All you need to know is that you can stream your music when you want to stream your music. And if one of their data centers goes down, the other one picks up the traffic. That's exactly how our clouds work today. Um, full redundancy, 100% geographically uh, diverse locations, specifically on the federal government, that's a big deal because you need to have, I think it's a 50 mile radius out from, from DC um, where your backup data center could be. Uh, if you had one in downtown DC, we happen to be geographically diverse in two states. And I want to delve in more into the security aspects and balancing ease of use with that. And But before we do, I wanted to get back to something you said early on, and that is just the user experience in terms of the audio and video, and that there are certain capabilities now that you don't hear the dog barking, say, or the trash truck driving by or the fire truck going by, whatever it is. What are some of those and, and how do those get inculcated into this whole chain of, of access from the user's dining room to the, to the cloud? Yeah, uh, you know, the AI one for blocking the background noise is fantastic. I use it myself. Uh, and not that I, have a, I don't have a dog barking around here, but there are delivery trucks and doorbells ringing and those kinds of things. Um, the other thing you can do is blur the background. You can insert an artificial background if you want. If you want to show yourself on a beach in Tahiti, you can do that. If you want to show yourself on a ski slope up in you know, Vermont, you can do that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that can give you privacy behind you while you're on the screen. Uh, and, and that's important depending on where you're working in your home, what your home situation is with children and pets running around um, and, and in order to maintain a very professional environment. And we should also probably acknowledge it may not necessarily be from home. It could be, say, another federal office that you're traveling to. But regardless, you still need those same kind of background filters and so forth. And I guess you might call it professionalizing of individual presentation such that you can't tell whether it doesn't matter where people are working. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, you know, when you're presenting yourself out to the world, it could be, in you know, another federal employee or employees, or it could be, I have a brother-in-law that happens to work for the Department of Energy, and he collaborates with people all over the world. Um, so he may be having a, you know, a nine o'clock call at night with someone out in China, or, you know, he does a lot of work with, with China on, on sustainability. So, and, you know, he's talking with people all over the world, and he wants to, you know, obviously maintain that professionalism, no matter where he is. All right. Well, we're going to get into security and a few other topics. Right now, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Tim Shalvey. He's the Director of Business Development at Avaya. I'm Tom Temin. This Federal Insight is Secure Tools for a Telework Future, sponsored by Avaya here on Federal News Network. 
The ability to quickly compose and launch digital initiatives is a top priority for the federal government. But to effectively build composable communications, government agencies must take a new, multi-cloud approach. Adopting a holistic hybrid cloud communications strategy is a must. To learn more about how Avaya can help your agency transition towards composable government, visit avaya.com. That's avaya.com. Welcome back to our Federal Insights, Secure Tools for a Telework Future, sponsored by Avaya here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tim Shalvey. He is the Director of Business Development for Avaya. I'm Tom Temin. And Tim, let's get deeper a little bit, if we can, into the security needs of because that really, without that, you don't have any customer experience, you don't have much work to be able to do. So what are the elements of security that need to be emphasized or added, as the case might be, as agencies acknowledge simply that more people are going to be working remotely, teleworking more, pretty much from now on? So yeah, um, you know, obviously we've spoken about unified communications, which is the web collaboration piece that we're, we're on today. Uh, all around voice and video communications, web collaborations and chat. Uh, and then we have our contact center services that are available from, from the cloud as well, which are great for teleworking uh, for remote agents uh, where needed. And those can both be deployed in a FedRAMP authorized, authorized cloud. Um, they come at various levels within FedRAMP and it's all based on the number of control points. Uh, control points are all around physical security, data security, software security, uh, and are you know, applicable to uh, third-party audits once you get through your, your own development uh, and then get authorized by the Defense Information Systems Agency. So with our solutions, um, we're looking at FedRAMP moderate, which is or impact level two, they're, they're pretty much equivalent. Um, and FedRAMP moderate is uh, um, at a level which is fantastic for civilian agencies to be able to leverage and put those their services up into a cloud offer. Uh, and then impact level five is really more along the lines of Department of Defense. And, uh, and so we have development in both those areas. Okay, and that idea of the contact center services agent, in other words, that allows people that are doing interaction with the public or in the DOD, it could be that they have call centers that serve their own uniform members around the world whatever for you know tech support and so on or DLA type support then uh, you can have people not necessarily or not having at all to be in the physical call center as it's normally thought of you're absolutely right and supervisors right so you can have you know contact centers or not only the agents but the supervisors and the management of it and then also being able to utilize a cloud service gives you the ability to uh, enable a composable architecture so what does that mean? That means being able to leverage best of breed partners to be able to provide additional capabilities within those contact centers. So some of that is all around self-service, conversational speech, for example, to be able to say what you want and be able to have it handled by an agent or, or, or automated. Um, Chatbots uh, uh, via AI. Being able to integrate with your help desk, for example, uh, ServiceNow or Remedy. So a lot of what's being done for the Department of Defense is all around um, calling in, you know, for assistance on what whatever. It could be housing. It could be problems with your communications. It, it could be payroll. It could be anything. 
to be able to have a lot of that handled uh, through third-party partners that are you know, set up by our composable architecture. And we do that via cloud-to-cloud -cloud services. So we may not have all of that in our cloud, nor, nor would other providers, but the ability to integrate you know, a FedRAMP moderate cloud with another FedRAMP moderate cloud or impact level five cloud with an impact level five cloud and be able to pull those critical services for those um, you know, soldiers into that, that architecture and be able to provide those services out of critical uh, nowadays because not everybody can do everything well. So it's, in other words, it's a way of getting past the need to develop new applications with all that entails and simply plug in capabilities that already exist as a service somewhere. That's exactly right. And, and uh, we do a lot of that through APIs, yeah, uh, you know, application programmable interfaces. It's kind of an industry term for being able to, to integrate disparate applications with each other uh, and really be able to build a great uh, soldier slash citizen experience wherever you need it throughout the federal government. Um, again, best of breed. So it sounds then that agencies need to make sure that they partner with a central service provider for remote services that itself is plugged in via APIs or other means, but mainly APIs with best of breed third party applications that enhance the core work here, as you say, for example, adding AI to a call center or some kind of predictive modeling process to call center for look balancing or whatever the case might be. You're exactly right. And, and you know, that's critical. Um, the second piece really is being able to, again, partner with a, a FedRAMP authorized provider, because that's going to give you the highest level of security. It's going to keep you at the latest releases. It's going to keep your, you know, all of your patches and, you know, for security uh, current so that you've got the latest um, security profile available. And then, of course, the government provides their oversight of this, and they do their own analysis uh, and recertification on it, you know, a periodic basis. And we should talk, too, about the capabilities of the network to support all of this, because some of these services are inherent in the network. And that gets us to the conversion to the enterprise infrastructure solutions deal that is uh, you know, being offered by GSA. Been a little bit slow for agencies across the board to adopt this, some are, some are not. And uh, how can, are you there? And how can EIS enhance some of the things we've talked about, better security, better user experience for the remote worker? Sure, so, um, so there's nine primes uh, on EIS and uh, there's eight large prime contractors and one small business contractor on it. Uh, we've partnered with all of them. We work with all of them. Um, we've seen the, uh, contracts come out or the RFPs come out uh, mainly around replacing current services uh, for networks. Um, they're, they're certainly including a lot of additional contract line item numbers or CLINs. Uh, one of them that they've included is for us, uh, is important to us, is the IP voice services CLIN or IPVS. But there's a, uh, there's a long list of, of CLINs that are applicable to our industry around contact center and so forth. Uh, so, you know, again, we've partnered with a lot of the primes. We've responded with quite a few of the primes. And um, a lot of it has been around making sure that uh, the government has access to us on those contracts. And then we'll be looking for individual task orders to come out and to be able to bid on specific locations, um, specific capabilities, potentially for teleworking, 
uh, as, as, as time rolls on. We just responded to a very, very large contact center offer uh, over the last few days. Uh, we've been working it for months, but uh, we were able to work with a prime contractor to put in uh, you know, a, a great response. And in that, we noted that you know, their, their clean structure is fantastic. So that may not mean a lot to a lot of folks listening, but what it does mean is they've, they've broken out all of the individual capabilities so that they understand exactly what the cost is for each one of those capabilities and can do a great analysis on what their, you know, what their final needs and requirements are. And you mentioned earlier, and I want to make an analogy here, this idea of the composable enterprise where you plug and play through APIs instead of programming and so on. And you could make maybe the case that perhaps agencies are slow to get into the EIS because of experience from the old telecom contracts of yesteryear, where switching was a matter of rewiring physically, changing out PBXs, if you really want to go far back, or desk sets, it was a big to-do. Whereas here, it's software. You're basically EIS's software-enabled communications. And it's really just a matter of, like the composability, just compose your next round of services using EIS. And maybe that mindset hasn't quite gotten into federal heads yet, that this is how this works. Very different from the old telecom switchovers. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. You know, with APIs, you, you can have a developer sit down and sit with a customer, for example, and, and just say, how would you like to improve your citizen or your soldier experience? What, 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 are, you, what are you trying to solve for? And have that developer literally in hours be able to set up that call flow, that video flow, that, that contact center flow, whatever it may be, right in front of your eyes and, and be able to demonstrate it and then transfer that over to, you know, to an EIS um, you know, contract uh, through an RFP process and be able to turn those services on relatively quickly compared with you know, the, the older days where that your, your vendor, whoever it may be, uh, would have to go into the R&D process and justify it through a, a large business justification to spend you know, the time and effort and money to develop that capability for that one particular customer. All of that is done in literally within hours now um, through APIs. All right. So then I guess maybe the, the general idea here is that we've, we've talked about call centers, but the idea of transplanting the best possible and most efficient workflows that would be in an office are now available through these various services to wherever anyone is. And therefore, you get the efficiency of the office, regardless of location. Absolutely, 100%. So, you know, if you're a remote worker, it looks just like an office worker nowadays. All the same capabilities. Um, some, you know, they, they, I think the government is there and has embraced it. Uh, certainly, all the enterprise have embraced it throughout the world. Uh, we didn't really have a choice. So, uh, it was a great time to have all. I can't imagine this happening. 20 years ago when we didn't have these capabilities. It's fantastic they're all here today. Uh, and we've got the ability, again, to, to be able to move that to the cloud and be able to, out, for all intents and purposes, outsource it into an operational cost model, which gives a predictable price to the governments for budgeting purposes year over year, stay current on the technology, stay current on all of the security profile, and build new capabilities as needed. Tim Chalvey is the Director of Business Development at Avaya. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it.
I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Avaya. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights, Secure Tools for a Telework Future, sponsored by Avaya on Federal News Network.